Much of the world seems to be in a state of near convulsion at the election of Jair Bolsonaro, who has won the presidency of Brazil, and yet another election result that illustrates the extraordinary political instability of the current period. We'll get on to the election result and what it means in a moment, but I wanted to first take a step back, give our listeners a brief overview of the state of Brazil, (coughs) excuse me, Give our listeners a brief overview of the state of Brazil before the election. This is a country which has, among other things, seen a government toppled in a constitutional coup, jailed a former leftist president, and been racked by a severe economic crisis and social austerity. Basically, as you mentioned, there was a coup in 2016, which happened after a few years after massive offshore oil deposits were discovered off the coast of Brazil, the pre-salt reserves, and immediately after Dilma Rousseff was thrown out of office for um, a budgetary infraction called fiscal peddling, which was widely practiced in all levels of government in Brazil and legalized one week after she was deposed, the government that took over, led by Michel Temer, reversed 13 years of social policies that were implemented by the PT party. They actually lowered the minimum wage. They made massive cuts to public health and education spending. And they eliminated 70 years of advances in labor rights, essentially transforming the country to a right-to-work nation in which union membership is no longer obligatory. This coup took place on the back of a financial crisis, an economic crisis, which is still, which we're still feeling the effects of down here. Basically, there are are three reasons why there's an economic crisis in Brazil. The first is because the Lerosef administration made a mistake in calculating the selling rate. They raised interest rates too much at the wrong time. The second reason is because of a combined U.S. Department of Justice and Brazilian Public Prosecutor's Office investigation called Operation Car Wash, which essentially, instead of declaring important businesses that uh, were important for the Brazilian economy as too big to fail, as Germany did with Volkswagen and as the U.S. government did with Goldman Sachs when they uncovered corruption scandals in those companies, the prosecutors, working in tandem with the U.S. DOJ, decided to freeze, paralyze all operations of the five biggest construction companies in Brazil. This caused an immediate 500,000 job losses. And the BBC Brazil article estimated it contributed to 2.4% drop in the GDP in 2015. And the third reason for the economic crisis is that the PSDB party, an opposition center-right political party, declared war on the PT in Congress and started paralyzing everything that the Rostaf administration tried to do economically. And the president of the PSDB party recently apologized for this and believes it helped contribute to the climate in which Bolsonaro got elected. You wrote an article for Brazil Wire arguing the line being run by much of the Western press as to why Bolsonaro was elected is incorrect. The conventional framework of analysis is that Brazilian voters were sick and tired of violent crime and corrupt politicians and that Bolsonaro represented a break from politics as usual in a similar fashion to 
Donald Trump. What, in your view, were the deeper factors at play in the election of Bolsonaro? Okay, well, first of all, those two reasons that I've seen cited in a lot of Anglo press are just cliches. You know, they don't correspond with reality. In fact, the most violent states in Brazil carried Fernando Haddad. If you look at the state uh, where Haddad won, it was in the Northeast, which is the most violent region. And the safest region in Brazil, Sao Paulo State, which is a huge state with 40 million people living in it, provided Bolsonaro with a quarter of his votes. So the violence explanation doesn't fit at all. If violence was a factor, fear of crime, then um, Haddad is the one who was voted for over fear of crime, because in the most violent areas, he had the most amount of votes. And also, Bolsonaro is connected to incredibly corrupt politicians. His economics minister, who he's invited to be economics minister, Paulo Guedes, who used to work in the Pinochet administration, is under investigation for a disappearance of around $300 billion during his management of pension funds. Okay, what's really at work here is pretty obvious, and I believe the media uses these cliches to just mask the obvious. The obvious is that um, Brazil has the world's largest offshore oil reserves. Now, if you look around the world at the countries with the largest oil deposits, how many of them have not been invaded by the U.S. government and its allies? How many of them have not had coups sponsored by the U.S. government, like the 2002 coup attempt in Venezuela? You know, I can only think of really a few countries like Saudi Arabia, maybe, that, you know, that haven't been invaded or had their governments overthrown by the U.S. That have, that have big oil deposits in them. And so oil is obviously a big factor here. And um, not just oil, though. There's other, there's other reasons that the U.S. was angry with 13 years of PT government rule. You know, Brazil founded the BRICS. The BRICS were established to create a kind of counter-hegemony to U.S. Imperialist, imperialism. You know, uh, there was a moment when the BRICS nations were talking about abandoning the use of the dollar in purchasing petroleum from Iran. Uh, there, there are other elements at stake here. The U.S. wants access to Brazilian military bases for possible um, encouragement to Venezuela for its oil, for its petroleum. And that would have never happened if Lula was elected. That's why Lula was removed from the race. He was thrown in jail by a judge from this joint operation, Operation Car Wash, U.S. Department of Justice and Brazilian Public Prosecutor's Office, threw Lula in jail with no material evidence based on a single plea bargain testimony from a corrupt businessman who gave that testimony in exchange for massive sentence reduction and partial, partial asset retention. Okay, so if Lula had been allowed to run, Bolsonaro wouldn't be president right now. Bolsonaro has praised the military dictatorship that ruled Brazil from 1964 to 1985. Indeed, he's openly called for a return to dictatorship. He has spoken in favour of torture, made casual reference to murdering his leftist opponents, declared long-term Chilean dictator Augusto Pinochet didn't kill enough people, has spewed truly vile rhetoric about gay people and so on and so forth. 
All of this is clearly disturbing and shocking, but is he a fascist in the true sense of that term? And perhaps more importantly, are we talking here about the potential for wholesale fascist transformation of the Brazilian state? Or will Bolsonaro be, in some sense, restrained by the need to govern more conventionally in the interests of Brazilian capitalism? Well, I think the proper term to describe Bolsonaro is the term that was coined by Noam Chomsky and others to describe the military dictatorships in Latin America in the 1960s and 70s, which is neo-fascist, neo-fascism. Bolsonaro is a neo-fascist. He adheres to the values that were exposed during Brazil's neo-fascist dictatorship. Now, one of these values, one of these ideas, a key idea from neo-fascism, which uh, was installed in some of these dictatorships through training and support from the CIA, is that the military transforms from being a defense organization to being an organization that targets an internal enemy. Okay, and the internal enemy, in the case of the dictatorship, was leftists. And this is why Bolsonaro is now saying he wants to arrest or exile all of the so-called communists in Brazil. And he refers to the PT party and its supporters as communists. That's 47 million people. So I think um, neo-fascist is the proper term for Bolsonaro. And uh, it's not a case, like, I see people comparing him to Trump. It's not a case like Trump. And tr with Trump, the U.S. has strong institutions that can counter Trump's power. They may be weakening, you know, but the U.S. still has a functioning Congress, Senate, and judiciary. In Brazil, the Congress is completely overrun by corrupt people tied to agribusiness, you know, the descendants of the former slave owners, uh, the, the gun lobby, and the evangelical Christian lobby. And the majority of the people in Congress are under some kind of investigation for corruption. And it's come out that they were paid bribes to vote for Dilma Rousseff's impeachment. And the judiciary just seems to be completely controlled by the military right now. You know, um, so... Also, Bolsonaro is stepping, heavily stepping up military involvement in his government. Michel Temer already recreated a cabinet called the Cabinet of Presidential Security, which oversees 16 ministries in, in Brazil, including federal police and intelligence. And he turned that over to a man named General Sergio Echegoyen, whose father was a general and attaché to dictator Medici and whose grandfather was involved in the coup attempt against Getulio Vargas. Uh, the, the, the military already is running Rio de Janeiro State, and Bolsonaro has announced he's going to appoint three military generals to cabinet positions. All of them are fans of a general from the dictatorship era named General Goldberry, who is the main proponent of this idea of the internal enemy and how to fight the internal enemy. How have the left, trade unions, progressive students, indigenous groups and so on reacted to Bolsonaro's victory? Is there a sense of panic and despair on the streets or are the ordinary people opposed to Bolsonaro defiant and determined to bring his government down? Well, there's a sense of panic and despair for sure uh, because there have been um, 
scores of acts of mob violence against people wearing red T-shirts, against gays, perpetrated by Bolsonaro's fans who are called Bolsonarians. So it's a dangerous time to be walking down the street with it wearing red even right now. However, um, I was in a protest on Tuesday night in Sao Paulo, and it was huge. And people are saying that they're going to they respect the democratic process. However, they're going to hold Bolsonaro to account and do everything they can to prevent him from fulfilling his racist, homophobic, and misogynist promises that he's making. Finally, Brian Mayer, zooming out for a moment from Brazil, how would you situate Bolsonaro's victory in the broader context of Latin America? We've seen a shift in recent times against the so-called pink tide, which saw many left-wing governments come to power and in some cases implement genuinely meaningful social reforms that benefited ordinary people. Now it seems the old oligarchies, the capitalist class, with the backing of the United States, is firmly reasserting its control across the continent. Yeah, it's bad news for Latin America as a whole. It's bad news. Brazil is a very important country economically, socially and politically in Latin America, and this is a major setback for the Latin American left.